0: Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is, real spoilers, episode 570, Misbegotten Sequels, (laughs) Grease
2: 2. Wow. You're welcome, Joe. Yeah. The whole time I was watching this movie, and I had never seen this movie before. Yeah, and knowing how I felt about it, all I could think <laughs> of was Joe and how I could not wait to get his reaction.
3: Yeah, because I was
2: ha- I was hate watching the crap out of it. So,
0: because <laughs> yeah, because Kevin and I we we, we like musicals, a good musical. Right. We totally dig, and uh, yeah. um and. <laughs> But this is not one. And oh my god! And if you already don't like musicals, I can't even imagine. Like me, did uh, did your wife watch this one with you too?
3: Uh, bits and pieces. She was. I that was. I. I watched this one first. Yeah. So like she's kind of bouncing around the house in and out. Yeah. But Gwen was like sitting on my chest, like laying down on my chest, and just I don't know if she was enamored by just the colors. But she was like a different point. She would just get up and walk away. Right, I was like no, that's the right reaction, kid. Yeah, that's what it was. I wish I could do that.
2: Well, to be fair, I mean it is better than Monster Squad, so I get it. Whoa,
3: <laughs> whoa, whoa! <laughs> I think edit that out.
2: Kevin. I think
0: there's a grand total of there's one <laughs> good scene in this whole movie. I think
2: the credits or are you not counting that?
0: <laughs> no, I was I I think the the uh, reproduction number. I think is really good and
3: oh, man. Ev- oh
0: and everything else in this movie is awful.
3: I didn't, I didn't mind the the principal and her assistant when they were doing the announcements. Yeah. And those were just I, leftover I enjoyed
0: that. Those are just leftover gags from the first one, but uh,
3: yeah. yeah, maybe that's why I enjoyed
2: oh, it. <laughs> this movie and these songs. I mean, and again, like Tom said, I mean, I love musicals. We're yeah. musical people and these songs are so bad.
3: It's real bad. Yeah, yeah. they're very, it's very bad. It's real bad.
0: So I guess let's uh, let's first go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves.
2: This is Joe. This is Kevin.
0: And this is Tom. And uh, also, don't forget, uh, quick shameless plugs. You can find us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there. Like the page. and Join the group so you can chime in about these movies yourself. We love to have the conversation. Wherever you're getting your podcast, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And check out our Patreon at patreon.com. Slash real spoilers were for five bucks a month. You help us out, we appreciate that, and you in return get all sorts of bonus content. So, there we go. Now, Greece to Greece, let's back up, it was a juggernaut of a movie. Yeah, unadjusted for inflation, it made almost 400 million dollars. Oh Man, that's my God! What is it for? What is, what is that adjusted? I have no not idea. Out of curiosity, I have no idea. But uh, okay. but I mean, four hundred. Got to be
2: closer to a billion dollars. got adjusted,
0: be. you know, because you're talking what 1978, and yeah, it's got to be, and uh, that's on a six million dollar budget. Oh my God! And God. <laughs> and you're not even factoring in the sales from the soundtrack.
3: Oh sure, you, sure, you know sure, what yeah. I mean. Like
0: in all the money, because I mean that soundtrack sold l- like an MF or two, and so yeah. like that thing was an absolute beast. And and uh, and I will also say, I that, have your
2: answer, Tom. Uh, you adjusted it for inflation. One point five billion dollars. Wow! My
3: goodness. Yeah. So the, that's Marvel movie territory <laughs>
2: beyond. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. So the the question then becomes, what took them so long to make a second one? Right. Like. But. uh But. Yeah. Like this. This that thing was a juggernaut. But I will also say, that movie is enjoyable. Yeah. Like. But it's also not good. Like it does a lot of the same dumb stuff that Grease 2 does but for whatever reason and I think some of it is the songs are way better right
3: but I think also the cast is way better
0: yeah yes but um but for but is it I mean honestly the only thing they're missing is a John Travolta right because because Michelle Pfeiffer would go on to be a much bigger movie movie star than Olivia Newton-John
3: absolutely so
0: so you have uh, someone who would go on to be an a-list movie star but it's
2: not the it's not the main cast though that's not the problem so the two main characters in this movie are fine i like michael i think i'm like i think he's fine i think he's charismatic i like i think he had he carries himself a certain way like michelle pfeiffer is michelle pfeiffer although i still think she's awkward in this movie yeah but the problem is the entire supporting cast is terrible And so there is nothing authentic about this supporting cast. When you watch Grease back from the seventies, the T-Birds are cool. The Pink Ladies are cool, as goofy and silly and as you know misfits they are, or whatever. They are cool. And this movie, are they? These (laughs) T-Birds are the most piece of crap, douchebag, not cool losers in a movie. You know, like there is nothing authentic or likable about these characters.
3: Is this her first role? Like how early is this in her career? It's very
0: early, but I don't think it's her first role. She was wasn't she in an, an American graffiti knockoff called uh, Oh, like uh, Hollywood Nights? Was she in that?
3: Oh, maybe that sounds familiar. When, when was that Landis flick with Goldblum, Into the Night?
2: Um, that I don't know. Um. Uh, let's see here. So she was in television. Oh, she made her acting debut on Fantasy Island. Wow. Look at that. Oh, interesting. Yeah,
3: and she was in Hollywood Nights in 1980. Okay. Yeah. And then if you haven't if you haven't seen Into the Night, I highly recommend that. Yeah. That is a good little, like, forgotten Landis gem. Boy, I haven't I seen don't that think one. It's I didn't, oh, it's really good.
0: I didn't realize she, did te- she was doing television work in the 70s. Boy, she made the rounds. She did Chips and then... uh Bad cats. That's B A D, like B apostrophe A apostrophe
3: D apostrophe, oh. which
0: I think might be what inspired the Quentin Tarantino. I think you're, thing. I think you're right. Um, the the fake show from Pulp Fiction that uh, yeah. Mia Wallace was on. Uh, and then um, that
3: that Uma Thurman ended up being a part of.
0: Yes, and then uh, she was on Delta House, which was the TV version of Animal House. Okay. And then she was on Enos, which was the Dukes of Hazard spinoff based around
3: <laughs> Enos. Oh so, wow! Because because who wouldn't want to see that, right? Yeah. yeah. So,
2: but do you guys agree with me though? The cast of this movie, the characters, the supporting characters are all very unlikable.
3: I think I think the advantage that the first one had is you did have Travolta and Olivia Newton John, obviously, mm-hmm. are your front people, right? But the people that surround them were at Stocker Channing, um, Jeff
1: Conaway.
3: Jeff, yeah, all of those people that surround them make them better. And in this one, you get the bad guy from Happy Gilmore. You
2: get Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin
3: <laughs> and Adrian um, Zamed. What is his name? Ahmed? Zamed. Adrian Zamed, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you you know, you're kind of the people that surround Travolta, are, they're dopes, but right? Sure. Like big dopes. But so they're in, dumb, but they're supposed kids. to be. But yeah. Adrian yeah.
0: Zamed had played Danny Zuko on Broadway. Like, he's not a
2: talentless guy, you know?
3: I don't think he was. He is not talented. I don't. But it's just his character was garbage. The script,
2: the script is awful. Talk about bad scripts. It's just the lines that come out of their mouths yeah. in this movie. It's, but there's trash. bad
0: lines in Greece, but for some reason they work. And I don't. I totally like, hear you. I totally agree. Tom. It's, and I'm not defending this movie. I'm more just trying to figure out why. And that's what I love so much about these misbegotten sequels is that they're, they're fascinating curiosities in terms of like, why does something work in one context and not in another? Because I feel like on paper, this movie is doing a lot of the same things that Grease did. But are there more
3: songs in this than Grease?
0: No, I think there's no, I fewer. Like Grease is okay. Grease had a ton of songs, and their soundtrack was a was a double album. Um, okay, but uh, but the soundtrack also had uh, a a lot of songs there was like almost an entire album side that was basically Na doing covers of oh. of songs from the era like Blue Moon and whatnot and but i think yeah. that uh i'm i'm just saying uh, that i listened to the grease soundtrack a lot when i was a child <laughs> i think what it came down to is they probably had enough songs for for three album sides Okay, or like two and a half, and they didn't want to cut songs. Yeah, and so they went with the double album route, um, and and then padded it with these shana with shana nah covering classic songs a lot, and a lot of them you hear in the movie, but they're at the background when they're at the dance. And sure, and, uh, sure, sure, sure. And then there's, um, I think there's one or two songs in the soundtrack that maybe weren't in the movie, but were either cut from the movie or were left over from the play, and then. I guess there were what two songs in the movie that weren't in the play, right?
2: That's oh, it. I sounds
0: sure. sounds right. I know.
3: I, I I'm going to defer to you for this one. Well, <laughs> you want to talk about wrestling? Let's talk about. wrestling. Yeah, but
0: I, I know what uh, "Hopelessly Devoted" was written for the film by one of the guys from Na Na, or at least co-written, <laughs> and then uh, um, I think "We Go
2: Together" was also. Oh God! The way they tried to parody that in the Luau, yeah. Oh my God! Well,
3: that Luau is ridiculous. Not we go
2: together,
0: but the the one that I got chills. They're multiplying that song. You're
3: the
2: one that I
0: want. You're the one that I want. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I think that
3: we go go together is from the parent trap or from
0: we go together is the like bibbidi boop. Do you pop? Yeah. That's the one at the luau that they're
2: clearly trying to create another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the first grease, the songs are great. Like song after song after song songs are great the leads are great the supporting cast is good but I mean you know Grease kicks off with a, a great theme oh, song by which Frankie is, uh, Valley
0: which is also written for the film right like that's not in the yeah stage, right but, right and, and so
2: like it, yeah. you've got Frankie Valley you've got that Grease theme which is a fantastic theme. You have the great animation that goes with it on yeah. screen. This movie starts off with the most worthless flash mob of students. <laughs> yeah. In the world. like it just from the beginning, it is horrible. This looks like such a high school production of something going on. Like but they're,
0: the- they're, Trying to take a page from that first movie, though, because like this time that song is sung by the Four Tops. Wow! So they're they're trying to do that same thing of like, they're... of like, oh, well, we had Frankie Valley singing it, yeah. so let's 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 do this. You they're know? trying. I mean, they're Man, trying. I,
3: just, I I guess I feel like the songs in Greece weren't long. Like you get like a good two to three minutes, and then we're back to the story. This one, they're like, no, we're gonna do all six verses plus the chorus in between the verses, and then we're gonna do maybe a secret verse that we don't know about. I
0: think there's some truth. I I, there are two songs that I think I absolutely agree with you. That opening number, "Back to School Again," man, man, does not end. And then the uh, and then "Score Tonight" does the same thing. The bowling alley number that was i you I could, don't even have words you could for hear that you could hear the edits where they yes. would like <laughs> loop back and play a different part of the song again <laughs> to make it
2: longer and i was like what are you doing why are yeah,
0: we padding ag- this
2: also how about Okay, so talk about a bad script other than the dialogue. How about the entire plot point that you've got your T-birds are trying to try out for a talent show but they can't sing, but they are singing the entire movie. Right. <laughs> like
3: But then all of a sudden they start they're they're they knock it out of the park at the end.
2: Like yeah. I mean has uh, Tom have you ever seen a musical do that where it's a musical so people bust into song and they're good singers like the songs are bad but I mean they sing fine and then there's a plot point that those singers who have sang the entire movie can't sing. But nothing's cu- that's a, like nothing's jumping out for me like yeah that's a terrible plot point you can't have them singing the entire movie and then when they're out of song they're like God I wish we could sing. <laughs> <It doesn't.
3: Yeah. laughs> this was this was straight to theaters right this was not going to broadway
2: oh yeah Correct. there's yes this was
0: this was yeah like the original grease was a broadway show that got adapted yeah, for yeah, the screen yeah. this was entirely created for the screen and it's directed um by a woman which you don't get a lot of and at this time i mean you don't get a lot of it now but you got even less of it yeah, I was like,
3: of nothing's changed but w-
0: what I thought was so odd is I thought for the most part the dance numbers were so bad but this director was the choreographer from the first film.
1: Wow. And but oh, it man. but
0: it sounds like from what from the reading I've been doing it sounds like it was a very troubled production in that um like the script wasn't finished oh. and so they were like Rewrite never bodes well. Yeah, they were rewriting the script on the fly, and uh, um, and because I I read it, I came across an interview with Didi Khan, who plays the beauty school dropout character. Yeah, um,
3: the only returning cast oh, member. No, from she's the first no, one. she's
0: not the. There's lots of returning cast members. Is there? Yeah, so the principal and her assistant are returning. Mm.
3: Uh, okay.
0: Um, the, Sid Caesar. Sid Caesar's returning. Mm-hmm. That teacher that has the the like the nervous breakdown. He was in the first one. Okay. Dean Khan was in the first one. So but, no, there are there are a surprising number. Oh, uh Eddie Deeson was in the first who one. was that? The really nerdy guy. Uh oh, Eugene, okay, okay. Um who you've but seen what, play a nerdy guy. But but
2: no I key. get what Joe means though, like no characters you give. Because- about <laughs> you know you don't get any of the t-birds or pink ladies right and then you get you get Frenchie back and she's in for an extended cameo like they did they filmed three scenes with her because halfway through the movie she never shows up again I'm like I was talking to Katie I'm like was she at the luau where did she go
0: they wrote her out of the movie she said oh. that, that so the it's well, where I was going yeah but that she said that like halfway through the movie they were like yeah we don't need you anymore you can you oh can my wait. god uh, and she was just like I mean like she just, she, so they wrote this her out guy of the movie is... midway through, and then I think they realized they needed a stronger tie to the first film, and uh-huh. so they, they ended up reinserting her scenes, but then they didn't film the back half of them, so there was... <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So, this M- Michael, this, this is this Sandy's son?
0: Cousin. Was- Cousin. Okay. Yeah, because it's only a year... It's uh like That's two what years I, later. It's two years later.
3: I, I, remember, I remember hearing Frenchie say Sandy, and I was like, wait, so we're even going to mention... It's, we're going to mention Olivia Newton yeah I mean they're not
0: they're trying to connect I mean you know, obviously it's right oh high, a lot of the teachers are the same and 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 uh, and I know originally like uh, Jeff Conaway was supposed to play the manager at the bowling alley but then they decided not to and then uh, um, they tr- they tried to get Travolta and Olivia Newton John that they were in discussions to come yeah. back I think for like a, you know, a brief
2: cameo and then yeah they and then that fell apart so you know what it. what this sequel does wrong like really wrong so we've talked about our other bad sequels and at least they try to recreate the first movie with certain archetypes and right they they, they replace it with certain characters that are similar so at least you get that feeling of either nostalgia or you know they worked the first time let's try it again like they replace Danny Zuko, who is John <laughs> Travolta, at, like, you know, at the pinnacle of his oh, popularity totally. and his charisma and charm and everything. I mean, I know he'd been around for a while, but, like, John Travolta in Greece, that is iconic. Yeah, and then yep. they replace him with this little dweeby, douchebag, <laughs> womanizing, like, terrible well, person. okay,
3: okay, now, in now, okay, Danny Zuko isn't the greatest guy either. No, he He's not I mean, the greatest. Summer but... Lovin
0: is basically all about date rape. I mean, yeah. it's catchy, but it's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> so, so age super well. Lightning.
3: Yeah. So you know, you know, like he's not the. He's not. You know, his his whole game in that is trying to score with Sandy. I, the whole Danny time.
2: Zuko is trying to sound cool. I don't think that Danny Zuko.
0: I think the. The mistake you're making, and I'm not defending this movie, but I think the problem with your analogy is you have uh, mis-equated who Danny Zuko is in this movie. Yeah. Danny Zuko is Michelle Pfeiffer.
3: Yes, and Michael is Sandy. And Michael is Sandy. It's
0: a gender flip. So, like, the guy that you're thinking of is Danny Zuko is really... The, I'm blanking on the name, the other one. Kaniki. Kaniki, Like, he's yeah. really and the But the problem is, is that Kaniki doesn't have
2: a Danny Zuko to play right. on. Like, to right, That's the, Okay, that's what I'm yeah. trying to say, is that, like, yeah. so whereas you had Danny Zuko in this movie, so at least there was a likability and a charisma and a charm, you're given these four idiots that are not likable at all. Right. Or even Kaniki. Kaniki was, you know, a, a lovable loser, or whatever you want to say. Like, he was a... You know, he was uh, too cool for school kind of guy. Whatever. Yeah, but, like, well, but he had
3: Danny Zuko.
0: And the other, and I think the other problem is the T-Birds spend the entirety of the movie trying to take down the star of the movie who you're supposed to care about, right? Right, right, yeah. like, right. So, right, right. so they spend the whole time basically attacking the two leads instead of so, like, yes. they're against Michael because he's the outsider, he's Australian, he's a nerd, whatever he's supposed to be, and then, and then uh and and then the the not the not canicky character is also mad at uh at Michelle Pfeiffer because she doesn't want to go out with him anymore right and you also throw in the rival biker gang who is right. mad at all of them and that guy was also <laughs> the How? main guy was in the first was in Greece but he i think technically played a different character but it's the it's right. the same actor yeah and that guy looked like character. he was 50 <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's a weird looking yeah. he's a weird looking dude so, so, yeah, I mean, it's this is basically the same premise as Grease, for the most part. Uh, they replaced The Prom with a talent show. like Which the way is they're the all, worst
2: talent show ever. Oh, it's terrible.
3: But, like, like okay. you're looking at the way they're getting dressed up, and I was like, you know, it's just a like,
2: talent show. Like, yeah.
3: You don't need to get all gussied up.
2: This is what doesn't make any sense. And so Tom left to go to the bathroom, but I'm going to have to get an explanation from him unless you know about talent shows in this era, Joe. Uh, I know that you are the leading expert in... Uh, early 80s talent shows
3: I I don't want to toot my own horn I have very <laughs> few areas of expertise uh wrestling comic books Mid to late eighty talent shows. <laughs> okay,
1: great. That's, well I'm glad That is I where my right expertise place. lands. Yeah, so that's
3: why I was brought onto this podcast ah. five years ago.
2: <laughs> so in my recollection, and to the best of my knowledge, a talent show is like one person, a few people. They come on, they sing a song, they do some juggling, right? Like I mean, you come and you do a talent, and then
3: yeah, I mean it's it's America's Got Talent, right? Like you you're absolutely right. You come okay. on, you you get your band up there. You know, you get the the pinheads, if you will. Uh, or whoever do a do your talent, and then you you win a prize if you had the best talent.
2: Okay, so in this movie, a talent show is yes. You have a few pe- You have a few individual people. You have some quartets. You have a few small acts that do songs. Then you also have a musical production going on. <laughs> yes. Why are they casting for a talent show like a hundred person musical production about the su- the seasons, and then someone else comes on and does like "Hello, my honey," "Hello, my baby." Like, <laughs> yeah. can, Tom, can you explain wh- how this? Talent show work? No, I I cannot, and I, I
0: I will also say that this is another classic example of if this movie was good, you would not be asking yourself this question. That's like, probably if true. This movie was good. If that final musical number was good, you'd be like, "It's so silly! Like, why would they don't do talent shows like this?" But and you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, but because this movie is not good, like you are left asking questions like like that because it's there was
3: there there was a moment where i'm 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 definitely drifting in and out of this movie like i'm mucking around on my ipad i'm flipping through a comic book and then all of a sudden i hear michael say when's the last time you read a superman comic yes and immediately i was like what whoa wait what are we doing and then i do like her reaction she's like uh not like this week I she, guess. yeah
0: she's like not in the last few hours
3: or something <laughs> yeah right but like and i was like oh i don't know that's i'm out thank you
0: well because it i mean you get the, I, I, I don't know that they really sold the joke there but like
3: he's doing Superman yeah he's
0: doing Superman he's like he's yeah. like she's supposed she's Lois Lane like she's dating right. him and doesn't realize that she's dating him but <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah like it, it just uh an interesting piece of trivia that I came across while while reading on this movie that so the goal was they were going to make four of these movies, like they were, uh, like
3: in, including Grease one. So three extra ones there or were, four yeah, sequels.
0: They were their plan was to do two more movies after this and then launch a TV show, right? And, okay, and uh, which is very ambitious to think of trying to do a weekly musical <laughs> TV show. Like few people have tried. It's a hill most people die on,
3: right? Mm-hmm. And I don't um, think that's. true I mean, Glee worked.
0: Glee worked, but again, but it's a hill, but. Cop Rock. Yeah. What's tanked.
3: that? Isn't there a Jane Levy show on right now? Yeah,
0: that's Zoe's playlist, but they're recycling established songs, so does Glee. They don't use original ah, songs. You mean
3: like brand new stuff? Right, right. So, um
0: Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did it. It's amazing. You should watch it. Anyway, um <laughs> uh, so the plan was th- three more sequels, launch a TV show. This movie tanked so hard, it 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 killed that, right?
2: Yeah, they don't deserve they, to ever mention the word Greece around right. television or movies after this movie. Like, but they had
0: started the projects. So they were <laughs> oh, they sure. were still floating around out there. So years later, somebody pulls up what would have been the script for Greece three, mm-hmm. retools it. Oh no. And you get high school
2: musical. No kidding. I
3: mean that totally that yeah. totally plays.
2: I mean, yeah, if, if you think about a, a musical about high school kids and the different archetypes, and yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: So, here, okay, so here's my question about that. How long do scripts, are scripts allowed to sit until they revert back to whoever? So, like, let's, let's say I sell a script to Universal. I think that Universal
0: owns it now because I, I'm not 100%, but it's always been positioned as someone. Bought the script, not someone licensed the script.
3: So, so okay. So, I guess I'm talking. I'm thinking. So, right. So, the rights to the Terminator reverted back to James Cameron. Okay. Right. So, like, how does the how does that? But those work? are that's not a
2: script. Like, that's, he created characters, right. and Property, and so James Cameron doesn't get the rights to the Terminator script. He gets the rights to the property. Like, so, he which, developed it. So he basically said, you know i'm gonna work with you to develop these whatevers but it's my yeah. property and at a certain time you know it all depends on the deal but that's a little bit different than just like here's this script you've purchased this paper and words
3: i'm
0: just
2: thinking you of know.
3: that and like and friday that, that 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 just happened with friday the 13th
2: right he couldn't
0: reshoot terminator but he can make another movie with a t-1000 and a skynet yeah. and i see you know, i
3: see yeah okay well, that just happened with Friday the Thirteenth. Like, it's a big, That's why we haven't gotten another Friday the Thirteenth movie since two thousand nine.
0: Oh, I just thought it was the good choices.
3: You're get get out. <laughs> uh, but like the there's a rights issue where like the the original writer of the first movie the the rights to the character kind of reverted back to him. But then Paramount was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like that's ours. So it's been like it's been this battle to for the rights to the. That's why the the last. Friday the Thirteenth movie wasn't called Friday the Thirteenth, like it was called Jason Goes to Hell and oh. Jason X. Like that's why they're not called Friday the Thirteenth. If you oh, okay. get like the box sets, mm-hmm. those aren't in there. Oh, like, I they didn't that. At like they stop it. Like they stop it like the eighth Friday the Thirteenth because the the rights have ch- changed after that eighth one.
0: Well, that's gotcha. also part of the problem the Bond franchise had with Spectre. Yeah, for so long, you know, and it's how they could make that Thunderball movie, even though it wasn't Thunderball, not Thunderball or never never say never again which because it was, yeah, a, right, cause it right, was right. essentially a remake of Thunderball like that's yeah. how they could get away with that but they couldn't really do anything after that
3: hmm. I can tell you that's the that's the biggest bummer of like the reschedules Is I was oh, man I wanted to see that movie so bad <laughs> so I was really looking forward to that movie
2: maybe we should go song by song that would be yeah. a good way to go through this movie. I think that's,
3: this is on you buddy because uh, yeah. I couldn't tell you
2: uh, well, I've just got the list in front Same. of me. But it, I, oh, yeah. good, good, it, good. I, the song Char burned into my memory. I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: so back um, to school so, again, which I think that scene is still being shot.
2: It's so Oh, my God. God. It's so bad. It's the dance. The choreography is bad. The song is bad. It's it's just so terrible.
3: If Correct me. In the original Grease, is everybody in the school involved in every number? Like in the opening scene, to not Greece, every like, number
2: is a dance, a flash mob. That's the right. thing. Like, but they, like,
3: is every character when they when they break into song? it's just your main characters for that song, right? Like
2: the rest of the school isn't involved in any, of it. I think so. Because this stood out as like being a flash mob. Like to me, this was odd that they did it this way. I mean, I don't think you have anything until like we go together at the end, but then they're at like a, where it's a, like one a fair. It's like they're at so, a carnival. Yeah. So people are dancing. Cause they're like having a good time or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't think so. Um, okay. So then we go to score tonight at the bowling alley, Oof. which is just like, I mean, so first of all, this song or this movie to me every number every dialogue feels so forced yeah like I, I get that the first movie is about teenage angst and you know the, the guys are trying to score and it's all about you know whatever typical high school stuff but every single lyric and it seems like every piece of dialogue is so sexually charged <laughs> yeah. it, it is just like it's so desperate and so forced Um, you know so and, and most of the songs are all innuendos and it's you know so it's, every
3: single song is you mean for this one or for the first
2: one no no i okay the first one i love first one's great okay so i'm not yeah if i'm talking I mean, about Gre- it
3: grease lightning is definitely talking
2: about his yeah well, no, i mean again the the first movie i get it that's what <laughs> right. it's about that stuff but every single song and dialogue yes, about this one so i agree they're at the bowling alley and it's about let's score tonight so everybody's singing about scoring you know and and uh it's just this horrible dance number um yeah and let me tell you it's interesting to see the difference between a musical a popular musical in the 70s and in the 80s, right? Because the, the style, the tones of these two movies are so different. Oh, sure. It just,
3: it's, it's very, uh, it's, in- you're right. And I think it has to do with like the changing of the time, right? Like yeah. they're trying to, I don't know, like a fifties musical, when done right can work in any era sure but when you're trying to put this weird cuz it almost they, everybody in this movie looks like they're from the 80s
2: which yeah. right which is the problem but, because this movie's supposed to take place 2 years after the first one but there's an 80s aesthetic they cannot shake but the but the first one has a pretty
0: 70s aesthetic too i think a lot yeah. of the hair yeah. and stuff I, I mean, and, I don't, and, yeah. it, and again you just look past it but yeah there yeah. was this wave of nostalgia for like the late 50s early 60s in the 70s it kind of kicked off with american graffiti and then Mm -hmm. rolled into happy days and then and then you get grease on broadway and then and then the movie
3: and i guess weird
0: it kind of bookends with american graffiti and then the film grease you know
3: yeah it's also i think that's happening now there's this somebody jokingly said about the high-waisted jeans yeah that like what's happening is kids are watching friends and like that friend's St- you know, Friends on Netflix, yeah, and that Friends style of fashion is coming back because these kids are watching Friends, yeah. and it's just like we lived through this. Like the high waisted jeans, I gotta tell you, doesn't work. No, nah. it's weird. <laughs> it you is. know, like and watching. Um, we talked about it in Staying Alive, like the whole that whole, uh, the girlfriend in that movie, her her the way she's dressed looks like how girls and women are dressing today. So it's like the, it's just culture doesn't change. It just cycles
2: yeah right that's fashion yeah fashion always comes back around again so anyway at the bowling alley the main conf- holding
3: out for those Jenko jeans to come back yeah he's still saving those ones
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at the bowling alley the big uh, conflict comes between uh stephanie the michelle pfeiffer character and johnny the the not connecty douchebag leader of the t-birds uh you know they used to date they're broken apart now and then stephanie's like i can kiss whoever i want because it's like it's said that the t-birds and pink ladies are always supposed to pair up and so Is that always
3: been a thing Like if you're if you're a T-bird, you're dating a pink lady. You can't date anybody else.
2: I mean, I inferred that from the first one, but in this one, they actually you know talk okay. about it. Okay, I didn't know if that was like a thing that I. And I, I, you know, but uh, she's like, I can kiss whoever I want. I'll kiss the next person that walks through the door. So uh, then here comes Michael, uh, the Australian, Sandy's cousin, and she kisses him. And so now Johnny's jealous of him, and that that really starts off the animosity. Like they had a kerfluffle at school, but now you know he's messing with his his quote unquote girl.
3: When they if okay so i jokingly said at the end of this movie when they finally kiss when michael and stephanie kiss oh the
2: silent the silent kiss with just sound effects of them yes great
3: (laughs) and if like if i'm if i'm that actor Uh and they're like hey you need to go make out with a 21 year old michelle pfeiffer and i was like you're gonna have to give me like something to chill out (laughs) because this and also like i gotta make it work right like if i'm if you know you're making out with a girl for the first time, a girl that you really like and is very attractive, and you don't want to screw it up. You know, like you got to make it work. And there is zero chemistry. They because hated when they each when other. They, they I, it, you can tell. Yeah. they hated each other. When they kiss for the first, like that, that, that last big kiss, you're just like, man, you dropped the ball. But like, 21 year old Michelle Pfeiffer, I gotta tell you, 61 year old Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> doesn't matter. But. 21-year-old Michelle Pfeiffer. I got to make this good.
0: Well, this guy was was like supposed to be the next big thing. Like he was like th- I can definitely see that. Like and supposedly he was very proud of himself and Michelle Pfeiffer had no patience for it. Uh, and then he just thought <laughs> she was her. and then he be- that he thought she was a stuck-up bitch. But like but like this guy was like the 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 it child like he they thought he was going to be a big deal so him getting cast in this both of them getting cast in these roles they were very sought after roles because people thought oh it's the sequel to Greece and it's going to get huge studio backing and they're going to have all this money to make the movie and they're going to do it right and and so like it it was a big deal and the fact that he got selected means the powers that be thought he was gonna be a thing
3: you know, he
2: and I, I can you can see it. He has the look. I was just gonna say, like he has he has the it factor when you watch him. And like I looked him up to see, like, okay, what else did he did? Clearly, this guy was some kind of big deal, and I I never saw him. But um, yeah, I it, it's surprising that it didn't turn into more because did he
3: do anything else? Is it just like bits and pieces here and there of
2: note? No, I mean I think okay. he was in stuff, but um, like I mean, after I this, he went pretty
0: much straight back
2: to theater. Um, yeah. uh, and for a long
0: time so it's like if you look at his at his credits and then he does some real stuff like before this he played john merrick in the elephant man uh, mm-hmm. on a national tour which is not an easy role and yeah, especially yeah. for a guy that's building a career out of being pretty you know heart yeah that he's in the elephant man says a lot but then like you know you look at his stage credits after this and he like He's in *Journey's End* in Los Angeles. He plays the lead in, in a stage production in 1984. He does a, a a thing in New York for *Paradise Lost*. I mean, you know, he does a a lot of a lot of theater after a lot. He, of you
3: about. can. De- it, one of the things I notice about this movie is, is as it goes on, his V-neck gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Hmm. The longer we go into this movie, like well, he's when you cooler, see him for the first, They're showing, <laughs> yeah, no, he's showing he's right? showing more chest. So the, to the point where, like, when he shows up in that leather vest, the it's, like, going down to his belly button. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Like, I get, like, in the first Grease, that was the deal with Sandy, is if you watch that movie with a different look, like, her character look keeps changing. And by the time we get to the end of the movie, she looks like a, you know, a biker chick. She's got, like, the yeah. leather pants, and her hair is all teased, and she's got the bubble gum, and... You know, compared to where she was with the poodle skirt and the headband in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. But it's a, so I was like, I see swap, what we're trying to do. Right. It's a What's gen- that? it's a. Gender oh, yeah, swap. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, He's playing this, you know, and uh, oh, look, he, it
0: looks like he also had a uh, he was on Dynasty and then the spinoff of Dynasty called the Colby's that uh, he did like between the two like almost 60 episodes of that show oh
3: okay so we got some work good i mean yeah i don't want anybody to not work this actor is
2: maxwell caulfield i don't think we said his name just oh we have not the audience listening out there michael is playing Michael. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so that starts that whole thing off at the bowling alley. Uh, and then we go to Brad, they go to the talent show, they're doing tryouts, you know, for this huge, uh, musical number about the seasons. And then they go to this little, you know, number with, there's these two twins that are kind of flirting with Michael and they're, you know, they're just these randos. Uh, so they do that little number, nothing big. And then at the talent show, basically Michael is infatuated with, uh, with the Michelle Pfeiffer character. And, and, you know, she wants nothing to do with him. He's he's not a, a, a T-bird. He's not a biker, you know. And this is where we get the song that everyone seems to love from this movie, Cool Rider. I mean, look. I think this I, is a bad song. I don't. I it's mean, I a don't, terrible song. I, know I think people, it's bad, too. I know a lot of people
0: dig it and, like, point to it as, as the high point of the film. But I really,
3: it's I, it's not good.
0: I think, it's awful.
2: I think, it's, I think Michelle Pfeiffer's bad in this movie. I don't think she's good.
3: Yeah. She, it's so okay. She's a, she's a, she's a very good and accomplished actress. Sure. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think her musicals aren't her jam. That's what I'm saying. Like, she looks
2: uncomfortable to me. Yeah. She looks she just, so uncomfortable. The, her dancing in this movie feels so like she's watching someone trying to mirror their moves. Like, yeah. am I Getting this uh-huh. right. Like, Nothing about her dance moves in this movie sell it to where John Travolta? Hell yeah. We all know John Travolta can dance. Uh, Olivia, even
3: Olivia uh, even Newton-John can well, dance. No, of course. Not yeah.
2: even. I mean, yes, Olivia yeah. Newton-John. She's amazing in it. I just mean like the leads and everybody, they're so characteristic charismatic and they're so believable and that's why i say there's nothing authentic about most of the cast in this movie because they're doing bad choreography and bad songs but then also like in this case michelle pfeiffer like she's just not selling it to me and she may be attractive and i understand that in the 80s i'm sure there's a lot of people that she was you know on a poster on their wall and they thought she was gorgeous
3: oh i mean scarface uh you know um i think scarface is is scarface kind of her coming out party Like that's the one that—that's the first thing I can set her off as like superstardom
2: is like her being in a dramatic, uh, really good role. But the Fabulous Baker Boys. Oh, that's a good movie. I I don't. It was not a big hit, but it's a good movie,
3: and she's fantastic in that. Yes.
2: Yeah. So cool Rider is her the whole time describing Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. So (laughs) that's her describing, you know, what she wants in a guy. she's you know going all around the stage and climbing a ladder and doing all this stuff, but. Yeah, it just to me it just didn't work. I think there's a real nostalgia goggles type thing going on. And I get it, like we all have those movies that, you know, they're called deep. We thought about it with our last movie. Yeah.
0: This movie played on cable ad infinitum. And so I think there's a certain window of of person that saw watched this movie over and over again and developed an affinity for it. And I think that like I don't know that like Present day, really uh, present day kids, teenagers uh, rewatch things with so- quite the same degree of frequency because the, I think you're absolutely there right. are so many more choices and you can go and select whatever you want on demand where yeah. when you're a kid and you've got two movie channels. If you're lucky, if your parents sprung for two. You know, well, I had Channel 11 on
3: Saturdays. Yeah.
0: And so like we, you know, we would get two movie channels, but normally because like if you bought HBO, they'd throw in Cinemax for like four bucks. Yeah. It, but uh, so it, you'd look and see like, OK, what's on the movie channels? And it's like if one showing Greece, too, and the other is showing, you know, some boring nature documentary or costume <laughs> drama, you're like, I guess I'm watching Greece, too. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of
3: movies that developed fan bases just because it was that or nothing. Right. You know, there are countless movies that I have a love for that probably that, you know, that I may not revisit with any regularity, but they were in that channel channel 11, which was like a local affiliate here, a KPL, a KPLR, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, like they, what they would do on Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons is they would show three movies, right? Like mm-hmm. they do um, the after one at noon, one right. at two, and then maybe a third one, maybe, maybe, so there and there were just movies that were in rotation but if you saw I was like oh crap superman 2 is on channel 11 at 11 you know 10, 12 o'clock I know what I'm doing you know like that's that's how we, that's how you watch stuff and
0: because I'm older than you are by 15 years or so when I was your age <laughs> They what they showed at noon on Saturdays was Abbott and Costello, and they would show sure. an Abbott and Costello movie, and then they would follow it up with like either uh, uh, Martin and Lewis or Ma and Pa Kettle or Francis the Talking Mule, and that's where I developed my affinity for those sorts of
3: movies. Mm-hmm. The Stooges, the Stooges were on Saturday nights, yeah, at like eleven thirty, and that's where I that you know that's where I found it. You yeah. know, you're staying up a little bit later than you're supposed to because your parents. I'm a latchkey kid. My parents were paying zero attention to what I was doing. Uh which a funny story. We do like a we did you know with the quarantine and everything, we my extended family did like a trivia night via Zoom. And my my one cousin is going into the military, having this conversation with him. And I tell you know, I start saying like I almost went and my mom, who's on the call, goes, You did what? (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, I was I was going, mom. And she was like we had no idea what you were up to. And I was like, (laughs) no, you really didn't. You had no clue what was going on, but yeah. Like that's how you, that's how Kevin, I don't, does, does that ring a bell for you?
2: Like what's that? The, Saturday
3: Saturday Saturday afternoon movies?
2: Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I okay. I was always big. uh, You know, I would go to the uh, grocery store that used to rent movies, and I was more of like, a, let's go every you know week, rent a couple movies on VHS type of thing. Okay, um, but sure, no. I mean, definitely movies on TV. I I get it, um, but that's the thing with this movie though is going back to that. I you know I don't I have no animosity against people enjoying what they enjoy we do a whole series of movies called deep fried tacos so when we <laughs> say these are bad we're not trying to attack anyone but from a critical point of view with no nostalgia goggles from from the perspective of people that like tom and i love musicals like these songs and numbers are very bad and they're oh, yeah. they're poorly written and the choreography is bad so i mean it's just it's very hard to watch these numbers and not You know, and just stand by and be like, oh, yeah, but, you know, there's there's not a lot of redeeming qualities in them is what we're saying. No, (laughs) no.
3: So so Michael hearing Michelle Pfeiffer's song realizes that he's got to change his look. He's got to do these cool things to be exactly who she wants him to be. So he starts doing uh, the T-Birds papers for money. Okay, I can accept that. Because he needs a cycle. Yeah. He needs a cycle, not a motorcycle, a cycle. I've never
2: no. heard them called this before. Like in the first movie, is that 40s or 50s talk or whatever? A cycle? I,
0: I mean, you hear people say it, but it's not very common. And I and I think what they're really trying to do is because the first movie was all about a, about cars. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to differentiate themselves to some degree. So this one's all about motorcycles, right? Okay. And, but And I will say, to the movie's credit, and again, it's 1982- the the idea of like Michelle Pfeiffer's character is very like I'm going I'm going to go out with who I want to go out with and I'm going to kiss who I want to kiss and you have the, the the you have the man trying to change to fit the woman's ideal yeah. of what she wants like that like that's a pretty unique take in a film You know um, I think that That works yeah and I, I think That's part of what resonates With this film for a lot of people Is that I think there were probably a lot of girls That were like they they had never seen something like that on screen before. That's a pretty uncommon thing. And it's a pretty proto-feminist take in a movie that also is going to have a, an ode to date rape coming
2: up. But, oh, uh, God. oh, it's so bad.
1: <laughs>
3: and I got to tell you, if Michelle Pfeiffer wanted me to dress a certain way and act a certain way, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Yeah. But yeah, so he's trying to earn money to get a cycle. And so right. he starts doing all their papers and and... I'm telling you what, this motorcycle montage was one of the worst things I've seen on film. (laughs) Like, montages, we're used to some great montages. And you're talking about montages in the 80s? Like, come on. we That was the heyday of montages. We have seen some great, powerful, amazing montages with great music backing them up. And this one, you get like the sleepy background song of Cool Rider with mixed with just like sound (laughs) effects from him crashing around on a bike. It's the most worthless montage I think in film yeah. history. I've never seen a worse. Real one. bad. It's bad. Real bad. <laughs>
3: uh, so he starts to you know they they're they're bowling one night and here comes the the other biker gang I guess and everybody's like oh there's only one well, of them you, outside you so over reproduction if we're
0: going song by song oh yeah I did yeah. I'm sorry this is the highlight of the movie
3: <laughs> I I mean I this in... this is quasi rapey as well it,
0: but it also does like. I get what you're saying. There are some problematic points, but it's also like how guys back then would have behaved. They're super yeah, horny. Yeah, the yeah. girls keep them in their place, and then and then the girls and then they both flip, and the girls yeah. start singing the boy parts, and the boys start singing the girl parts, like role playing to show each of them how they think they look. And I think th- I think the the lines are fairly fairly clever. I mean, they're juvenile. It's a sex joke, but. Right. But and and I think it's one of the few songs in the movie that honestly kind of sounds like it would fit with the first film. And so yeah. it, and yeah. so and uh and I thought the choreography was great like they're in a tight space it's a, so you can't you ain't lying. So you yeah. can't do like big huge like kick lines and stuff and there's so much like stuff going on from a choreography standpoint i i i really enjoy this number i think this is a really really good scene could
3: you it's okay so as, as you're talking could you do this could you do grease 2 in the vein of like a raunchy 80s sex comedy I mean, I don't think you or you could, or or do they want to stick with like the grease two aesthetic?
0: Well, I mean, I think if they'd have done that, they'd have, you know, if you're talking like a musical version of Porky's. I don't think that, yeah, like that wouldn't have been grease at that point. But I will that's also say, yeah. I think that's one of the big problem with these numbers is that the songs from Greece were original songs that sounded like songs from the era.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and yeah. these songs don't sound like they're from the late 50s and yes. early 60s. Yes, you've nailed it. No, they sound yes. like
3: they're from the 80s. Right.
0: And, and I, I do yeah. think reproduction fits sonically with what Grease did. And every once in a while, you'd, you'd get like a vocal delivery where that would mimic what they did in Grease, where they'd do a line and then they'd be like, guy ya ya" or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, um, but like part of what made Grease was, the original Grease, the Broadway production of Grease, like today we're very used to what they call jukebox musicals, right? Where, you know, yeah. you get you know the abba musical and the billy joel musical and they and they take the songs that you already know and love and they write a story around them grease was a jukebox musical Before they existed I mean they're I mean honestly The there are ad mats For Greece that are literally Jukebox right and Sure and but they couldn't Afford to license those songs They probably didn't even think it was possible back Then so they wrote songs That sounded like that And that was kind of their end run Around it's going to be This big homage to the 50s and 60s And we can't afford those songs so we'll write A bunch of songs that sound like it right and and they don't do that here like none of these songs sound like they should be that they could have they could be from that era so wow. yeah
2: i think that's a great that's a great point
3: no that's very true no that's that's a great great point i totally i didn't think about that until you said that but yeah the the songs from Greece do sound like they're from that era where this one sounds like they're from that era But the air is the Asian side. Also,
2: the songs are garbage. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, lyrically, they're terrible. Like they have some of the worst lyrics. They're not. They're not good. They don't sound right, and they're just. yeah, they're
1: except for reproduction.
2: Well, okay. (laughs) okay. I'll give you that. It may be the best in this movie. I didn't care for it much, but looking back at it, yes, it probably is the best. Yeah. So so, yeah. So
3: they. uh, You know. Michael ends up donning this Batman esque uh, leather attire. He's
2: Silent Bob and Mallrats. He is Silent Bob and Mallrats.
3: <laughs> oh, I wonder. I mean, it's the same look. Yeah, it's the. It has to be that, that. That could not have been on accident <laughs> on Kevin Smith's part, huh? uh so, yeah, so he shows up, that they're bowling, of course, the rival gang shows up, and the uh, cowardly T-Birds think that's only one of them, so they all go outside to beat the one guy up, but it turns out the entire gang is there, and of course, they're just like, uh, I don't want to do this no more, and here comes Michael on a motorcycle, and he kicks one of them, and he kind of shows off, and he's, in the matter of a week, he's become a expert motorcycle rider guy, um, and Michelle Pfeiffer falls head over heels for him. Um, so we've only got 10 minutes left in this podcast and I think we're doing 60 minutes of suck relationship is budding between Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael. Michael decides he's like, I got to tell her I can't lie to her. Uh, he starts to develop a relationship with Mr. Michael out. It is very Superman esque. I didn't think about that until we started talking (laughs) about it where Michael starts to, she falls for super for not for biker, Michael. And then Michael, like a not biker Michael has to figure out a way to make her fall in love with
2: him too. Well, this is what we just talked about with Batman and Catwoman. I mean, I Oh, they got Michelle
3: Pfeiffer twice.
2: Yeah. I brought this, I brought this (laughs) up a couple weeks ago too. Like I love the idea of the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover type thing. This is like when Tom brought up, you got mail that two people could be, could like each other in one scenario. And then when they know who one another are just because they know who they are, not, I think, I, I like that idea a lot and I wish it weren't a better yeah. movie here, but that's what they're doing is that trope.
3: That's funny. They did. They got her twice. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he ends up making her, they having a connection outside of not biker Michael. Uh, and then they're the, you know, he, they see each other at the Michelle Pfeiffer works at this gas station. And for whatever reason, she can't multitask for anything. <laughs> like it's just, you know, you know, if you just take one car at a time, you're going to be Okay. So like she's pumping gas for one guy, and then somebody else pulls up and asks for their windshield to be wiped. Then another guy pulls up and asks for a map, and it's just like, just pump the brakes, (laughs) take care of the money, go do the windshield, then do the map. You're all right. Um, But then Michael shows up on the bike, and it, it is. It's almost exactly what happens in Superman 78, where the scene in Superman 78 where Superman where clark walks into lois's apartment and he's gonna tell her who he is like you know he does the whole he stands up straight takes the glasses off and he's like you know lois i have to tell you something and she's like yeah and she comes out of the bathroom and of course he goes back into being clark
2: kent because he can't do it the exact same thing happens here i think i mean they at least i mean they they bring up superman comics so i think they're admitting to taking that yeah
3: right So he does the same thing where he takes the goggles down and he's like, I have to tell you something. And she's like, what? And then he pulls the goggles back up and he's like, "Nah, bad guys here. Got to go by. Um, So then he says, I'll meet you at the talent show, 7 p.m., blah, blah, blah.
2: Okay. So in the meantime, do it for our country where the guy tries to trick a girl into being locked into a bunker. Okay. This is the
3: biggest. Why is he in a bunker? I know that Michael was doing his homework down there. Why is Michael in a bunker? It was the house that he is staying at had like
0: that was a thing back then people would build shelters in case there was a, a an atomic war. Why is he why is he staying in the bunker? I well, I think he was using it to to do his homework. I think I, I there's a there's a deleted scene or two, I think, because okay. I know okay. that like the guy who played they had cast and filmed the an actor to play the like the parent figure he was living with, okay, and it was Tom Poston, who you would probably know best as the caretaker on the Newhart sitcom from the eighties. Okay, I think you would know that best. <laughs> you have know, never see Newhart where he owns the. <laughs> no, I, van have, in I have. I
3: have no recollection of the characters. But if, I've, if you
0: Google Tom does. Poston, you, As soon as you see him, you'll go, "Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you are talking." Oh, okay, about. <laughs> but uh, um, but I know they filmed scene, a scene or two with him, and and it and he did not make the movie and so my guess is that that the existence of that bunker was somewhat explained okay. but but okay. that was a that was a common thing in fact it was even a plot point on happy days at one point uh Richie's dad was going to build a a fallout shelter and i thought it was huh. weird they kept referring to nuclear war which um uh, is, wouldn't have been a thing yet they right? would have referred to it as an, as an atomic war atom bomb okay, or they okay. i nobody was calling it but that back then but
3: but yeah so, so is it is this scene more or less offensive than the revenge of the nerd scene
0: well less because he doesn't actually have sex with her
3: i guess that's
2: true yeah. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> <But> like <laughs> to tr- it's attempted
3: to tr-
0: rape by deception instead of rape by deception yeah right, like
2: right, right. it's I, this it just plays so poorly and i know that we're living in a different time now but i mean come on to try to trick her into that and yeah uh, that war's going on and then he's like coming at her with a gun
3: yeah it's pretty pretty rough it's pretty 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 gross like just
2: the fact that he's holding a rifle on his shoulder yeah cornering her and saying we need to do it for our country now i mean i think it's kind of a funny little gag that she's talking about something else like i did at least appreciate that there was a misunderstanding going on but the whole the situation as a whole was very creepy not good yes
3: it's almost it's I, i was comparing it to back to the future where like that whole scene with biff and lorraine in the car is i mean it's if you but uh, he's the there's bad guy. no weight but it's played but, but
0: for tension yeah, it's played correct. to establish that he's a bad guy where here it's like he's so goofy boys are so horny and dumb right what you gonna do yeah
3: you there's know. a way to do that right and <laughs> in back to the future where it's like oh no he's the, and then when he gets the comeuppance at the end a where he gets punched in the face but b when he becomes george's lackey basically right you're like yeah okay you that's what you deserve yeah where this one you're like the guy
2: gets away with it he's all, he's the lovable guy loser he's the yeah. t-birds are like supposed to be if there is a good guy in this movie it's them but and they're yeah. so redeemable. <laughs> this
0: was a common trope in movies back then uh, just the idea of like boys going to elaborate means lengths to yeah. try and have sex right yeah, yeah. Um,
3: it's almost like it's, it's porkies where they have the right uh, or meatballs? It's Porky's, right? Porky's. Porky's is the the hole in the shower. Well, yeah, which also has not aged well, right? No, it does and, not. <laughs> and
0: uh, I mean, it's an it's an entire it's the entire plot essentially, or at least major subplot of Sixteen Candles. Right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, big time. And uh, and so like sometimes that can play as cute and funny, and sometimes they take it too far, and they you know in within that time frame they were seeing it as silly. Where now we see it as like oh dude That's not silly at all like no You know like in you, you go to jail if you Look at a movie like super bad which is all about Them trying to go to a party so they can get laid But like yeah. it never rises To the level of of Anything appearing like force or rape It's just they're horny kids that That want to have sex for the first Time you know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's
3: also I think with All three of those characters Michael Sarah, Jonah Hill and uh, McLovin Christopher Michael like, Plints. Yes, thank you. Yes, like the the Michael Sarah and his girl, it never happens because a they're both too drunk. Right. B the girl throws up, and then C he takes care of her. Right. Like he doesn't go after her. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jonah Hill Emma Stone thing just never happens because right. he headbutts her in the face and breaks her nose. The the McLovin one, like everybody's sober and they're all on board, and there is a bit of deception on McLovin's part, but it's not like he's deceiving a girl younger right like they're the same and it's the girl that he's been lusting after the entire movie yeah you know like that scene where he's <laughs> when he's walking behind her and she was just like did you say something and he's like
2: uh we got to get back to More this time. movie, though, guys. Yeah. Cool. So, oh, yeah, sorry. anyway, okay. so then uh, Prowlin. So, this song that they, the four T Birds at the talent show do this terrible rendition of Prowlin because remember, they can't sing. But then, after they all get denied for sex, the main guy's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's go Prowlin. And then they do this yeah in quotes terrific rendition because it's as terrific as it can be but they they can sing perfectly well and they have a whole number just because i guess they really are horny now like i don't know what makes them good all of a sudden right but now they're doing a like professional rendition of of uh prowling they are they flash forward to the talent show and they've got a set and lighting and girls in the background performing with them so that happens, I guess, and it's just a creepy song about how, like, if you go to the grocery store, the checkers will put out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's I weird get... <laughs> the way they like. I know Greece has songs with sexual innuendos, and it's like, but they feel so forced here. Yeah. Where in Greece they didn't, and, yeah. And when they did it, they did it in different ways, and there was an there was still an innocence about the film, mm-hmm. even though there were some 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 raunchy parts and uh in a PG sense uh where this movie does not have ha- like they like prowling is a is a good enough song but just when it gets to all the grocery store stuff it's just like what is this what does this have to do with yeah, anything else in the song like, yeah
2: it's because there's no subtlety to it like in greece yeah. all those things went over my head like as a kid i enjoyed the songs i enjoyed the movie but, like, I was too young to understand it, and they and it could work on two levels. And this movie, it's so forced, and they do not have subtlety. Like, all the double entendres are just, like, hitting you in the face over and over again. And, yeah, it's just there is nothing subtle about this movie. No. Uh,
3: so, just to wrap this up... It- Michael ends up showing up at the talent show, the T-Birds kind of chase him away, and you think that he's died, like he goes down Dead Man's Curve, that's actually what it's called, I'm not making that up, he and like you see his tire track go off
2: the this jump. <laughs> he flies like he's E.T. going in front of the moon, <laughs> like earlier in the yeah. movie, somehow he jumps a cop car with no ramp. Like a motorcycle yeah, can I just yeah. jump over a cop car. <laughs> I have no and idea. so they're like, oh, I saw him jump a cop car. He'll be fine. It's a 100-foot ravine <laughs> that he's supposed to jump over. So anyway, and then you don't see him. Again. There,
3: is a, there is a point where I was like, did they kill him? <laughs> because you don't see him again until the very end of the movie which is
2: the next day but yeah you don't he never sure. comes back but so he, he never comes. He does back. a terrible song called charades which is about him being sad oh, so bad it's that one, song so bad. sounds like they're making it up on the yes. spot <laughs> because it's <is> brutal <laughs> yes it is one of the, it, I think it is maybe the worst song in the movie so terrible yes. terrible song then they go to the talent show they do girl for all seasons which is the thing they've been practicing the entire movie with all their production and Michelle Pfeiffer mucks it all up. oh my god and then okay so were to believe that in the middle of girl for all seasons michelle pfeiffer goes into this like dream sequence where she's hallucinating (laughs) and she's like do you guys realize how crazy she would look in the middle of girl for all seasons oh i know absolutely (laughs) doing this part and then when she's done with this four minute like like, she's gone and pretended she's doing the song. Okay. Who's playing the music? Like, the girl for all seasons music doesn't match her music. She would look <laughs> insane. And then it ends and they're just like, Oh my God. They're all clapping and applauding. <laughs> like, <laughs> you win. It it's so in- like, how, <laughs> how on earth did that? I mean, I know it's a musical, but even by musical standards, it's nonsensical. It's pretty bad. Yeah.
0: It reminds me of, have you ever seen, uh, on YouTube, the, when they take, uh, uh, Wonder Years, and like edit out the narration. No. And it's just yes. like Kevin standing there for
3: three minutes staring at his mother.
2: <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh.
3: So, so yeah, so they go to the luau where they, they, not the prom, which is, it's just like, just call it the prom. What are we doing? Which is, in like
2: and, and which it's like, not, we'll always be together. They're trying to do the same thing, like, waka, waka, right. waka, you know,
3: like. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. So they, uh, this is where the, the biker gang shows back up. And then here comes our hero dressed in an even deeper V uh, <laughs> this one's down to his, his ball hair. Oh. And then <laughs> uh, they, they, they beat up the, the bad guys and, he takes off his well, goggles. Well, you know why? Because he, realizes... he jumps the
2: pool because he has this magical right. motorcycle ability to some... jump
3: any object. He's got springs. He's got springs in the in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the He's the,
2: got a the the cycle of the... <laughs> Yeah. Right. And, but for some reason, he jumps the pool, and every motorcycle just follows. Nobody him. else they can all do it. Go into yeah. the pool, and then you know what? Yeah! You know what? That's it. That's the resolution. We never see That's the bad they, guys yeah. again. They don't get arrested. <laughs> we don't see yeah. them like, oh, you know, we're we're okay. You guys got us. Like. It's just they're gone. We never see them again. Right. And uh, and so rather rather than letting
3: Stephanie, Michelle Fiverr's character, break away from the Pink Ladies and kind of be her own person, oh. they're like, no, man, you're cool. You can be a teen. And bird. what about the not... Thus negates the entire problem of the movie.
2: <laughs> and what about not Kanicki? This guy is just like, the guy that's hated <laughs> no, no. him the whole movie because he jumped a pool and the bad guys <laughs> fell in a pool. He's like, hey, give me a jacket. Let's see how jacket. it fits. Like, he has a change of heart. Let's give it to Evil Knievel it's over so, here. It's so, like, like let's wrap it up. Like, here's our resolution. I, I cannot stand movies that are just like, uh, we have to finish this all right now, and then in one scene. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? Well, and we didn't even talk and about... That's what this is. He's got this girl, this other pink lady that's totally into oh, him. yeah. That he's dating, yeah. that he's, but he, like, is still, like, trying to ditch her to get with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And, and that is... um. That's Judy Lorna Luft, Garland's. That's right? Junie Garland's daughter. Yeah, Lorna Luft. Oh, it yes? is. Is
2: Paulette? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't she's like. Yeah, you know, she's the one that does. She's the blonde. and She's always got the yeah. cleavage and like revealing outfits and everything. Oh, wait. You mean the the girl, not the teacher?
0: Yeah. No, the teacher is is Connie Stevens, who had okay, who had who was in movie. Like, there's some fan service in the movie. Connie Stevens was in a lot of '50s and '60s teen comedy movies and had some hits and. And uh, oh, okay, and so was okay. Tab Hunter, who played the teacher that With sang that, reproduction. The, the substitute
3: teacher. Right. I figured he that dude was somebody. Yeah, they doubled down on him big time.
0: Yeah, and so man, it was it, this. That was supposed this is to terrible. That was supposed to be their version of Frankie Avalon playing Teen Angel. Oh, that's what that was supposed to be. Oh, okay, and
3: then all, and that's how this this is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and then also so
0: the little girl that runs around the whole time that wants to who be a, I liked that little. I think I thought she was fun. Do you know who she is? No. That's the voice of Bobby Hill.
2: That's funny.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, that's Pamela Alden, I think is how you say her name. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and so she was, uh, and she ended up on a lot of Louis C.K. shows, and she's the voice of Bobby Hill. And, like, if you saw her, you would totally recognize her. She's been in a million things. She was just on This Is Us, playing uh, Sterling K. Brown's psychiatrist. Um, Okay. She was on Facts Alive. She was like, the girl that they like the troubled girl they adopted towards the end of this series like i remember her yeah okay i mean she's been in tons of stuff yeah and uh and i just want to circle back around i so while you were doing this i looked up the i was like who wrote that song reproduction and so (laughs) it's written by a guy named dennis lind or lindy i'm not sure it's l-i-n-d-e okay and i and I feel like I want to bring him up because I found this fascinating. First off, there's a St. Louis connection. He used to live in St. Louis. He was in uh, the band, Bob Cuban and the end men, who is a big local band from from this era, hmm. right from the 50s, 60s era. And they had a, a song that was a, a big hit called The Cheater. Look out for the cheater. Hmm. And uh, okay. um, Bob Cuban's still alive, still plays in St. Louis all the time. And huh. uh um, but he so he left that band to go to Nashville and be a songwriter, hmm. right? And okay. he wrote, yeah, you know, look at this. He wrote "Burnin' Love" for Elvis Presley, hmm. like oh. "Hunka Hunka Burnin' Love." He wrote that. He wrote. Uh, he wrote. Um, Bubba shot the jukebox for Mark Chestnut. He wrote "Baton Rouge" for Garth Brooks, huh. "John Deere Green" for Joe Diffie, and uh, maybe his. Short of burning love, his biggest song he wrote "Goodbye Earl" for the Dixie Chicks.
3: Huh. Wow. So
0: oh, there you I go. I just thought that was fascinating, so but that, yeah, I mean, that, that,
3: that's some pedigree for a reason why you may or may like that song.
0: Yeah, like and he like lived in St. Louis. So I know you're a huge Dixie Chicks man. Yeah, he graduated. I, "Goodbye Earl" is a great song, man. <laughs> and, uh, he
3: graduated from Normandy High for our local listeners. So. Well, there we go. Well, this was just, I mean... <laughs> this was a train wreck. Yes. There's, was, thank yeah. God Michelle Pfeiffer was in this movie.
2: I guess, but it's like, I mean, really, it was... I, I was hoping to at least have her be good in it, though. But like you said, Joe, I agree. I, I just don't think musicals are her thing, and it was awkward... Uh, yeah, it bad songs, bad script, bad choreography, and uh, it was really just awful.
0: Yes, it was very, very not good. But, uh. <laughs> so, uh, so next week uh, we will continue looking at misbegotten sequels. But we decided we're gonna uh, do come at this from a little bit of a different scenario since we're doing two movies a week. So we'll, I think what we're gonna start doing for the for for the time being is we'll do an episode talking about. The original movie oh. That spawned it And then we'll talk about The uh, the follow-up movie That uh, misses the mark So
3: I love this. Yeah
1: so, so we get um, one
0: good one At least for our weekly right. By virtue of <laughs> definition The first one should be Pretty good If it, it was good enough To spawn a sequel yep. Right Normally You don't get bad movies Spawning sequels um, which is why there has never been a Monster Squad two. Um, oh. Shut your <laughs> dirty mouth. Oh. Well, be sure and bring in a copy of Monster Squad two, and I will issue to you. <laughs> oh, I'll, a, I will self-filming a heartfelt just to spite you <laughs> At
2: home on quarantine, Joe is going to make his family dress up and be. <laughs> I mean, Corman,
3: C- Roger Corman did say he wants to see you know the uh, eight mm films that come out of this quarantine era. Oh.
1: So,
0: uh, so next week on our good movie, we will tackle. I, you know, I, the other thing I love about this is I know so many people, they don't realize these movies exist, right? Like, so, yeah. like we had so many people reach out that said that they were like, wait, there was a sting too." like these are, <laughs> these are alien <laughs> concepts yeah. to so many people because they've been for, kind of forgotten to time. And so next week we're going to talk about on the good end. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid one of the f- finest Examples of Hollywood yep. Studio filmmaking of I would Say the 70s but I think it's technically from 1969 but uh, yep. But and considered By many to be The greatest screenplay Ever written like considered to be a Perfect screenplay And it's uh, hard to dispute yeah and So uh, that is a wonderful movie There are actually two movies <laughs> That grew out of that uh we're not sure which one we're tackling yet uh so we will get back to you so but your choices would be uh butch and sundance the early years where you've replaced uh paul newman and robert redford with huge stars uh tom <laughs> berenger and william Catt.
1: Hmm.
0: so uh yeah or but that was that but that was the screenplay was written in part by William Goldman, who wrote the screenplay for Butch Cassie. So it's it's not just the same characters like it's got a direct tie. And then the other one was a made for TV movie called Wanted the Sundance Woman starring Catherine Ross, who played the Sundance kid's girlfriend. And this and it picks uh-huh. up after that movie left off. So we're going to watch decisions, both decisions. and figure out which makes the most sense. But that's what you have to look forward to next week. Wow. Isn't that exciting?
3: Game on, real spoilers, listeners.
0: So if you're looking to do your homework, if you want to keep up with us, that's what you can can work on over the next week. So at least watch the first one. <laughs> at least watch the first Oh yeah. Always watch the first and one. And if you've never seen the first one, you are in for a treat. I You, you ain't know. lying. Yeah. So uh Um, I guess let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them.
3: This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, W T T 21.
0: This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Of course, be sure and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. Five bucks a month, all sorts of bonus content, and you help us out, and we greatly appreciate that. So uh, that's it for this one. Now you know what to look forward to next week. We're going to tackle Butch Cassidy's. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, and until next time, Troy and Gabriella get the lead roles. And
2: now you see just how the staining gets its lusty dust on through the stigma, and why this frenzied chlorophyllous orgy,
1: starchy spring, is no enigma. We call this quest for satisfaction of what, class? A photoperiodic reaction. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Hey, I'm lost. Where are we? Chapter 2. Page 5. Pre-production. Put your to work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.